What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. So some of our most popular episodes are interviews with real Wellpreneurs. Yes, the interviews with the famous and most successful people are also interesting, but I think what you guys love and what you've told me is really hearing from Wellpreneurs that are successful, that are out there, that are doing the work, but maybe aren't the people that are on Oprah, right? What is it like for them? What's working for them? How have they created freedom and flexibility and wellness in their own lives? So this week, I'm speaking with Cindy O'Meara of Changing Habits. Cindy's had a lifelong passion of nutrition and actually started doing one-on-one nutrition consultations in the 80s. But after her children were born, she decided she really wanted to move away from working one-on-one and instead create a bigger company that didn't rely so much on her so she could have more time freedom. Today, Changing Habits has 23 employees. She offers group programs, a range of products, and even has released a documentary film. So talk about doing a lot of different things in her business that really are driven by her passions and her desires and and creating a, a thriving lifestyle for her. So in our conversation today, Cindy's sharing about her journey into her current business, including how the definition of balance has changed for her throughout her life. And she shares with us her recently realized lifelong dream, which I'll let you listen to hear what it is, but it's really inspiring. So no matter what point you're at in your own business journey, I think you'll really find this interview today inspiring and open up the possibilities for what your ideal business could look like. As always, we'll share all the links back to Cindy's site and everything we talk about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. So now let's jump into this interview with Cindy O'Meara. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Amanda. Cindy, you've actually been recommended to me by a couple of listeners as an inspiring wellpreneur that I should really talk to. And, you know, I hadn't actually heard of you because I'm not in Australia, I guess. And I started doing research and it's really amazing how you've developed this business. And you've also produced a documentary film and you've really had this incredible journey creating this quite successful business now. So I'm really excited to have you on to share about that with us. Oh, I'm glad somebody's, um, you know, introduced you to me because that's how it is. It's word of mouth. And I feel that's the most powerful marketing of all is when somebody says, hey, you should check this person out because they trust you. And that's, I think, a really important thing in business is trust. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, those types of recommendations are just solid gold. So can you take us back for people that might not be familiar with your business? Can you give us a little first, just give us an overview of what it is that you're doing now, and then we'll kind of talk about how you got there. Well, I'm on the Sunshine Coast. I run a business called Changing Habits. We are an educational company, first and foremost, in that we like to educate people about the products they buy, programs and protocols. We do have a 12-month nutrition education course, which is worldwide certified. 
And we also have done the documentary, which you mentioned before, which we released last month and which has gone worldwide. So we're an internet-based company, but I do a lot of speaking, a lot of live productions. So I guess we're a jack of all trades in the sense of nutrition as opposed to any physical exercise or, you know, yoga and things like that. We don't, we don't go there. All we do is my speciality, which is nutrition. Right. And what were you doing before you started changing habits? Believe it or not, I graduated back in 1984 from um, my Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition. I I actually did a year at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and that's what uh, just piqued my interest in nutrition. I did anthropology, and I did how food helped us evolve. And I thought, wow, this is the coolest thing. So I came back to Australia and went to Deakin University and finished my Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition and was about to go do my dietetics and went, I don't agree with anything you've told me. It's got nothing to do with anthropology or my philosophy of idolism. And so I just decided I would go on my own trail and do what I could. And so I started consulting in 1985 and it was changing habits. (laughs) So I've done nothing else since I was 24. I don't know anything else. Even though I was a consulting nutritionist and I've morphed in that field many times from you know, nutritionist, consultant, you know, I was a columnist to speaker, author, you know, head of a nutrition program, finding products, sourcing products, and now documentary and filmmaker. It's still the same thing. It's still talking about how do we change? It's easy, one habit at a time. It's actually quite unusual, I think, to meet somebody that's been doing this since the beginning. Like you always knew you wanted to be involved in health and nutrition. I think what's more typical with the people that I've interviewed is it's kind of they've had some personal crisis or some sort of personal health transformation that's then caused them to leave and make this big change. So that's really cool that you actually you just deeply always had this passion for health. Yeah, I think my family instilled that in me. My dad was a pharmacist who then became a chiropractor. My mum was a nurse. My grandfather was a corn farmer in Iowa, USA, but he hated the chemical revolution. So I'm from a family that really thought differently about food and health. Because chiropractic back in the, you know, the 60s was, you know, my dad was one one of 41 chiropractors in Australia. He there weren't many here. Now there's thousands. So he was thinking differently. My mum made everything from scratch because that's all you could do back in the 60s. And so it was that that instilled that into me. Plus, I think even though I never had a health crisis, my mother's brothers all had health crises. They were born with hemophilia, six of them. We're the largest hemophiliac family in the world. They, you know, were always in hospital. They always had problems. My mum was always looking after them. My grandfather felt that you know, like they needed some medications, but he felt that nutrients were important for them. So he talked about good nutrition, you know, back in the 50s. And then, of course, they all passed away from AIDS because of the blood transfusions. So well, there was a lot of crisis happening in our lives, but we seemed to find normality around the dinner table. And at that dinner table, there was food and the food was always nourishing. And I guess that's that's what got me so excited about um, cooking and nutrition and, and and even our ancestry and our anthropology. That's that's what I think put me on that trajectory. So when you started out, I guess you were working more as a solo practitioner, actually doing consultations. 
And it seems, I'm just guessing here, but it seems like that's really shifted now to where you have, it's about so much more than that. It's, you've actually got a big team and a, and a whole company delivering products and, and the variety of things that you do. Yeah, I have a team of about 23 now. Two are nutritionists, so they're consulting nutritionists. But many, you know, like it's dispatch, it's marketing, social media, graphic design, internet marketing, my GM, my education program, my professors. So, you know, my team is has um, a vast array of skills and resources available to them in order to deliver this information clearly and with clarity to the people that are interested in changing their health. And as you said, many of the people that probably are listening are people who have had something that has gone wrong in their life and have been transformed by just changing their diet or doing their yoga or doing some sort of health modality. And what we're finding is that, you know, when I started nutrition back in the 80s, I was one of 20 girls that graduated that nobody was interested in this because no one was sick back really as bad as they are right now. And so this is a growing field. And nutrition, to me, is a really good starting point. We may need other modalities to help us on our journey, but I felt that nutrition was a really good starting point. But to make it easy for the common man, it's about educating them because most of them are not educated. They're not being passed on cultures and traditions from their forefathers. They're being advertised by companies that are, uh, have trickery in the way they do things. And so by educating them about this trickery, which is happening, they become empowered and they realize that they've been. Um, had the the wool pulled over their eyes for a long time, and it's time that they they step up to the plate and do something different, and and then we give them their resources to do that. Mm-hmm. I really like to get into this kind of like the entrepreneur journey because I think that's you know even if we all have different types of businesses, it's really interesting to learn like how people think about it and how you've like what are the decisions you made to to get you to where you are today. So one thing that's coming up for me is at some point you were practicing nutrition consulting or, you know, working with clients, whatever it was, what was that point where you said, wow, I really want to create a company? Like you said, you have 23 people working for you. That's a completely different type of business than being a solo practitioner. So what was it for you that made you decide to do that? (laughs) You're going to (laughs) laugh. I got married and had babies. (laughs) So I realized that I didn't want to work, you know, one one, it took up too much time. So I thought, well, how do I reach more people at home instead of being out of the home? I wanted to be with my babies. And so I thought, right, I can write for a paper. You know, this is before social media. This is the 90s. And so I wrote for um, our local paper here on the Sunshine Coast. I was a weekly columnist for two years. And that got me into speaking. So all of a sudden, I had a readership and then had a readership that wanted more of me. And then when I finished um, doing my column, I realized I had a book and I realized that a book was going to get to more people. And it was all about how do I get to more people in the time that I've got being a mom with three babies? How do I do that? So that was the book, television, speaking, another book. And that was the way I traveled until my baby, because I homeschooled my babies and my children. And they're all in their 20s now, late 20s. And I it was about when my youngest was in her second last year of school that I said to my husband, I want to do something with my 
degree. I want this to be bigger than what it is. I know we can do it. So we actually hired a business coach. Now that was 2009. So we're looking at seven years ago. And and we hired the business coach together, my husband and I. So my husband joined me part-time and we hired the business coach. And he was the person that you know, really made us accountable. First of all, what did we want? And I was kind of knew what I want. My ultimate goal, and it has always been my ultimate goal since I was 21, was to have a food-producing organic farm and education centre. So that's always been my goal. I, I don't remember it being anything different. But how do I reach that goal? Because that costs money. And so that's what the business coach then did. I said, well, you can go out and buy that farm, but that's going to take you five years to even start probably making any profits because you want trees and they've got to grow and, you know, and so on and so on. So he said, all right, so what can we do? And I remember having a meeting, it was about six months into it. And my husband said to me, Cindy, how many people ask you about the salt chapter in your book? And I said, oh, all the time people are saying, where do I find the salt? What seaweed do I use? What's the mixture? How do I do it? And he said, well, why don't we make it easy for them? Why don't we package it for them? And that was our first product. So that was the next thing. And then I uh, went to a conference. And I think this is really important in the sequence of events that happened. So I went to a conference and I listened to this girl talking about manifesting. And even though I had goals, I had never done outright manifesting. And I listened to her and thought, right, I'm going to buy her book and I am going to do exactly what she says. And I did that. And what was interesting is that um, I did this whole 10-step manifesting in the, must have been the March. And I don't know what happened, but I created a program. And I really think it was the universe going, this is what you want. You've told me loud and clear. Now I'm going to deliver it, but you have to put the work in. So I created this program that I had done myself and had unbelievable results with. And so I created this program and I just gave it to my database. And I said, hey, guys, this is the program that I've done. This is what it did for me. And we did in one week of sales what we had been doing in 12 months. And my husband and I both went, oh, my gosh, what just happened? And it was a step-by-step program process with products that everything had just kind of synchronized together to work. And so if I was really going to tell you the things that that made my business just do this amazing soaring rocket ship upwards and it hasn't stopped. And that would have been knowing what you want, doing the things that it takes to get what you want and having a guiding light, which was our business coach, to guide you through it. Now, I remember how much we paid our business coach. I just said to my husband, you are kidding. We are not paying that. And then I had to change my mindset and I had to say, okay, this is a university degree in business. I knew nothing about business. This is my university degree, my private university degree in business. So we never looked back. We paid for that within two months. <laughs> so, you know, I think that, you know, it was, it was I really believe you must have a goal of, of your ultimate, of what you you want. And by the way, I have my farm. I have three farmers that work on it now. We're planting trees, we're holistic farming, we're permaculturing. And, you know, I reached that 
finally at the age of 50, I bought it uh, April 6th last year at 2 p.m. So I reached that goal at 54 after wanting it since I was 21. Now, do I think that I've, you know, taken a long time to get that? Possibly. But the journey's been amazing. And I think that people have to realize that it is a journey. And what I've collected along the way and done along the way has been inspirational. And I've got the most amazing team. That's another thing that you cannot deny the people that are behind you. The team behind you is is really important as well. I think you brought up so many important points in that, Cindy. Thank you for sharing all of that. One thing that jumped out at me is how you said when you finally, you know, you had your, you set your clear goal and your intentions, you started doing a manifesting process. And then this idea for this program came and the program really took off. And I think that's something that comes up a lot is people will create something, create a program, create an offering, and it doesn't take off. <laughs> and it's frustrating. Yeah. And you push and push and push and try. And sometimes I think then when you just hit it right, it just flows. And I think, you know, you're right that sometimes that is just, and this is woo woo, but like it's a sign from the universe. Like if you're not, if you have to push and push and struggle, something about it is just not right. And you need to actually really get more aligned with what it is you're supposed to be delivering because it should, yes, it's hard. It's work. It is work. You have to put in the work, but it shouldn't be such an uphill struggle <laughs> when you get it right. Yeah. Look, I agree with you. And, and the other thing behind that program is that people trusted me. So they have been following me. I wrote my book back in 1998. I had people following me from back then. This is now, we're looking at 2010 when we released the program. So I had a lot of people behind me who really trusted me. And this was a program that was tough. It didn't make you feel great in the first couple of days, but the results were phenomenal. And I had done it first. And I guess it was trust. And I said that in the beginning is that my people who were following me trusted me and just went for it. And then by word of mouth, they said, oh my gosh, I've just done the, the most amazing program. You've got to do it. That is still our biggest seller. Six years on, that program is still our biggest seller and our entry point for people to come into changing habits. From there, we then find people buying our food. They start our education program. There, there's such what would you call raving fans that they do community screenings of the documentary off their own bat. So you have to build trust. Like you can't be somebody who just goes, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to write a program and throw it out to the universe. There is a, a building process that, that happens. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was building the trust of people. I was building a, a social media reach because social media was available by then. So I was starting to build that. And I think that um, preparation behind it all was also important. Not just I wrote a program and it was a success. It was the preparation behind it and the trust that people had in me that I wouldn't normally do this, Cindy, and you don't normally do something like this. But if you're saying this, I'm going with you. And yeah, that's, I think that that was what the whole thing was about. And now, you know, I don't think any other program or protocol has been as successful as that one. And I have done another three for people who can't do that program. And there are people who can't do that program. So I've created other ones in order for them to do them. And it, even though it's not about success that I do it, it's about helping. 
It's about, I know that this is going to help people because of what it did for me, the phenomenal results I got from it. And then when I realized that, you know, 100% of the population can't do it, then how can I help them? Oh, they can do this one. And so that's what it's become. It's become something that is not about, I'm going to make a million dollars. It's about, well, how can I serve? How can I serve these people that can't do this program better? So the other point you made that I really wanted to touch on is that, like you said, it took, you had your dream for your farm in your 20s, but it wasn't until your 50s you actually had a, you got your farm last year, which is so awesome. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, something that I see all the time, and I've definitely struggled with myself, is we just want it to happen now. (laughs) Like we have this idea and we want to just come out of the gate and be super successful at the first attempt and just have everything now. And I think, you know, what you've said is it's a journey and you need to enjoy it along the way. So have you, I mean, did you ever have that feeling like you wish it was going faster or you felt like this is never going to (laughs) happen as you were going through it? I probably did have those times, but they've faded. I got close to my farm many times. It's so funny, like to the point where we almost signed the contract. And I I realized that we weren't ready to do what we wanted to do. And I think if I'd had my farm earlier, I wouldn't have had the finances to employ three farmers. There's there's And the money I have to put into this farm, the finances that have to go into this farm, like I've just bought this tractor that I've waited three months for because we are it's a hilly land and tractors are dangerous on hilly land. So I've had to wait three months from Europe to get this tractor. So if I had bought this land, let's say 10 years ago, I probably would have sold it by now because I would have realized that I didn't have the time. So I feel that when we, one of the things in manifesting is that when you release to the universe, you've told it what you want, you've put the action steps in, And you allow the universe to give you signs as to what is pointing you in the right direction. And and it's like you said, pushing, 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 pushing something sometimes up a hill might mean that that's not exactly what you're meant to be doing. You might just have to change that to a slanted direction up a hill as opposed to straight up. And if we can recognize those signs, I think our life becomes a lot easier. And, you know, I, and then that's, that's the only, in hindsight, that is the only way that I can look at it now is that I wasn't meant to have my farm until I had the finances in order to make this happen. So if you could go back, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago and give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself? Wow. 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, that's, be patient. I think that's it. Be patient. All things will come at the time they're meant to come. Serve people. I think they would be the two most important things. And make sure you have a beautiful balance between your workload and your family and your friends. I think a lot of us become you know, super, super involved in our business that we lose family and friends along the way. And Uh, And the other thing I think is to have a supportive group of friends around you. And that's what I do have. I have an amazing supportive family. Unbelievable. I don't ever have to worry about them. But I think your friends are really important also and um, that they support what you're doing. And 
and don't I, I like I never ever was with a group of friends that said oh what are you going on about that's just ridiculous you can't do that you know you don't ever want to be around people like that you want to be around people who are saying wow tell us more what are you going to do next you know that's that's what I think is really important let's talk about this idea of balance a little bit so you know working in wellness it's important. It, it's always interesting how, like, are we actually walking our talk or do we kind of fall off the wagon sometimes and get back to bad habits? So how have you, how are you able to find that balance and keep yourself healthy while you're building a business? Well, one of the things is that I love what I do. I love nutrition. It'll be very rare for you to see me reading a novel. It will always be about nutrition. So the book I'm reading at the moment are called The Oldest Foods on Earth by John Newton. And it's about Australian foods. And the book before that was Dark Emu, which was about Australian agriculture before white men came. And so I think number one is that when you love what you do, you almost feel like you're just on a perpetual balanced state anyway. But I must admit, as my company gets bigger, and you can probably hear some nasalness in my voice at the moment, I've become the figurehead of a, of a large company with many arms and I'm pulled in every direction. And, you know, I fell last week basically for the first time in my life because I was allowing that pulling to continue. And I rang my team and I just said, you will not be contacting me. You will not hear from me for the next week. And I need you to really look at my calendar and stop scheduling me every minute of the day. And so I've learned a really powerful lesson is that I've always thought that I could go, 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 which I have. I've done that for a long time. But if your body is saying you need to stop, then I'd heed it long before it tells you to stop. And, you know, I learn lessons every day of my life. And if I stop learning, you become mature and you rot. <laughs> um, but, but when you're ripe and learning, then that's what happens. Is it um, not ripe? When you're, um, you know, just unripe, you're learning all the time because you never, ever want to ripen and rot. You want to make sure that you're always learning. So that balance for me looks a little bit like this when I'm at home. And I haven't been home a lot because of my speaking, my documentary, and everything that I've been doing over the last couple of years that has taken up me away from home. But when I'm home, this is what my balance looks like. So I get up early in the morning, I go down to the beach because I live on a beach. And every morning of my life, while I live on this, you know, in this town, I swim. And I swim with a group of people, there's about 80 of us, and we swim a bay. So we swim, we do an ocean swim. I then have downtime with them, healthy breakfast, slow start to work. And then I usually stop working around three or four, come home, prepare a good meal for the night meal, have a family meal. So I, a lot of my children are adults. So they bring their, <laughs> they bring their girlfriends and their boyfriends home. And we have a fairly big family meal, you know, once or twice a week, we would do that. And so having a routine is really important. But let me take you back to the way it used to be. So when I had babies, I would be up at 4.30 in the morning. I would work 4.30 to 6.30 before they woke and I would be doing all my work. I would then do whatever it took to be a mother. If they all went to bed, I would do more work. Then they, when they went to bed at night, I would do more work. And so that was 
the way it was as they were babies, but this is the way it is now that I don't have that responsibility. So it will depend how you create balance in your life as to what stage of life you're in and where you live. And But it's really important to, I think, have daily habits and daily rituals that allow you to have that balance as opposed to just being on call, you know, oh, this has happened, I will go and do that now. Or this has happened, I will go do that now. So um, I guess that's why, why how, how I do my balance. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you shared how your schedule was different at different points in your life because you're right, it's always changing and evolving. And just because you see one person that has this seemingly amazing schedule, like if you've got different life circumstances, you've got to find something that works for you. And I think that point about making it a habit is so important because if you just wait to say, well, when I have free time, then I'll you know take care of myself. It's never going to happen. <laughs> No, it doesn't. And that's why my whole thing is about changing habits. It's about, well, if you don't have time to exercise, then find time and make it a habit. And because I think exercise, movement, sunshine are all important factors. And like I do Monday night yoga, Wednesday night meditation. These are non-negotiables. And my family know this, you know, swimming every morning. So it's, it's something, you know, that, you, you have to put into place and your family knows it's a non-negotiable. That's what she does. Don't disturb her. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I think these last two years of traveling and not having that more regular has been something that I have to address. I either have to think about it while I'm traveling. What can I do? Like I eat well while I'm traveling. I've got that damn pat. Never have a problem with that, but I'm not getting my meditation, my yoga, my swimming in. And so, you know, this is a new learning experience for me and I'm going to have to figure it out. It's always changing, isn't it? Balance <clears throat> is never a static thing. It's always trying. <laughs> no. It's a balance. It's truly a balance at different points mm-hmm. in your life. So Cindy, thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you tell everyone where we can find you if they would like to learn more or get in touch? Yeah, there's there's two websites that they can go to and um, the most important one of my company is changing habits and that's .com.au. So we're in Australia, so we put the .au on the end. And if they're interested in the documentary, it's called whatswithweight.com. And of course, I'm on social media as changing habits or what's with wheat. People can find me on social media as well. So that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They're there. We're all there. (laughs) Awesome. I'll link it all up in the show notes too, so people can get to it really easily. So thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you, Amanda. I really appreciated the opportunity to be on this very important show for people who are either starting out or in the middle or even at the end of their careers. I, I think it's a brilliant show that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all of the links and everything we talked about with the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. Have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.